This is the Public Record Podcast. I'm Managing Editor Ken Allen. On this special edition, we'll explore why job boards fail to connect workers with employers, and we'll look at some best practices to maximize your job search results. You know, depending on the survey you look at, between 60 and 80 percent of jobs are found through networking. Let me say that again. 60 to 80 percent are found through networking. And one of the reasons for this is many jobs are just never advertised. They're, you know, filled through personal connections. So if you're looking for a job, that's your best bet. Yet most people... Where did I have that stat here? Um, 41% of people use job boards, and only 25% leverage networking. And yet 75% of resumes that are put on a job board to apply for a job are screened out by applicant tracking systems. So this is one reason why the results on job boards are so poor. And today I'm going to use the example of a fairly common um, kind of universal job title called bookkeeper, um, because that's very similar from one industry to another and would be a common uh, job title you would find. So we'll use that as our reference point today. Now, if you were looking in a newspaper for a bookkeeper job, you'd probably turn to maybe bookkeeping or business services, or more likely accounting is where you'd find that classification. And you'd go to the A section under accounting, and you'd look down and find uh, various jobs for bookkeepers and see the uh, salary ranges, and maybe they'll give you the address, probably not in a small classified ad. There's not a lot of information in a newspaper classified, so it isn't very helpful, and uh, all it's going to do is lead you to a step where you're going to have to do further research. Now contrast that to a job board, which is a computer-based mechanism, right? And yet the job boards, by and large, don't really improve upon old-fashioned newspaper classified manual clerical methods. We're going to look today at five of the most popular job boards. And we're going to score them against seven essential search criteria that I think are basic to a search. So we're going to look for this bookkeeper job. And the first criteria, number one, is it's going to have to be a 30-minute or less commute from my address. Now, as we go through this, we're going to find that really no job boards do this which is very odd because if you have to sign up and be a member of the job board to do an automatic application, a so-called one-click application, they would know where I live. And to calculate where I am to the prospective job is something that computers can easily do. Uh, ESRI, ESRI up in Redlands, has a program called Community Analyst that will do this. And it will calculate precisely the commute and the time it would take you to get to from point A to point B, um, including traffic factors and other patterns. It's an actual number. So this can be done, but no job boards do this today. So it must be a 30-minute commute from my home. And the job has to meet my salary range. So for these, uh, this example, I'll use $20 an hour, which is about $3,500 a month or about $42,000 a year. I honestly don't know what bookkeeper jobs pay, but it seems to me that sounds about right. Number three, 
I want to screen out any job posting where there are already more than eight applicants. I don't want to waste time competing with a lot of people. Number four, I want to screen for either a targeted hire date or a decision date. And if that selection is available, I'm going to set a preference for hiring within 30 days. Now, spoiler alert, I'm going to tell you right now, nobody has this feature. And what a killer feature. If you're looking for a job in a hurry, you want to know when they're going to make up their mind. Are they just collecting resumes for some future thing? Or are they going to do it in six months or three months or one month? Why isn't this part of the job posting process? Number five, I want to screen for full-time only, and I can tell you that that is readily available on all of these sites. Number six, I want to screen for jobs that will accept the application I already have on file with the site. That was the quick application, easy app that I referred to earlier. Most of these sites have a feature like that, but not all jobs that are posted will accept those, so bear that in mind. But this one-click application will save a lot of time. And I don't want to see any jobs that don't have that one-click application feature because I don't want to take the time to have to fill out the same application over and over and over again. Number seven, this is the last one. I want to screen for jobs that have health care benefits. And I'm going to keep this simple for this example. I'm only going to screen for health care. Um, but that's an important factor. If a job is, uh, you know, 30 hours a week and they're calling that full time, but it doesn't have customary benefits, um, I don't need to look at that. You know, I, I need to narrow it down. So I'm going to reveal the name of our winning job search site at the end of the analysis. So I'll be referring to the sites as site 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 as we go along. Uh, these are all among the most popular sites. So let me start with a loser, site number 3. And again, I'm not going to mention names here. But they scored a 0 out of 7 because their search engine didn't return any jobs for a bookkeeper in our target city of Palm Springs. In fact, they didn't return any jobs, so I don't know if there's something was down on the day I checked this or, or what, but a major website that isn't returning any results uh, is not a good thing. Coming in with a score of two out of a possible seven was a job board that's heavily promoted on the radio. They came up with 44 jobs for a bookkeeper in our local area, so I went ahead and gave them a point for that, even though they couldn't calculate the commute distance directly. Two sites tied with a score of 3 out of 7. They both got a point for showing us a city, again, even though they couldn't calculate the actual commute time. Uh, it got a point for letting us select full-time jobs, and it got a point for a one-click application with an account. Site number 2 failed to tell us how many local hits we got, while site number 1 gave us a total of 13 postings. And by the way, uh, let me say something about the results that come back. We don't want to see 3,000 hits for the job we're looking for. We want to narrow that down. And ideally, when a site is giving us results, I only want to see two or three that have been heavily screened by my filtering criteria. That's a job for a computer to do, is to go through and look for that needle in a haystack. Now, our winning site number five scored six out of seven. We were able to estimate the distance, but again, no real commuter calculation, but I went ahead and gave them a point. We could select a salary range. 
we could flip a switch to screen for under 10 applications, but we couldn't put in a specific number, so I couldn't screen for that eight applications or less. But I, I went ahead and gave them a point for having at least the beginnings of that feature. We could screen for full-time jobs. They offer a one-click application with participating employers. And they offer the ability to screen for individual benefits like health care. And uh, nicely done on their part. The only thing they failed to deliver on was providing a hire or decision date. So our top score goes to LinkedIn. So that should tell us something. If you want to use a job board, LinkedIn is probably the place for you to start. But before we get too excited about LinkedIn, we should remember the advice of career experts in that resumes should be tailored to every job situation. And that's the main problem with LinkedIn. Recruiters tend to be looking for a square peg to fit a square hole position, you see. So in our example, we're, we're looking for a bookkeeping job, which is a fairly standardized job. LinkedIn may work for you. But if you're a senior executive with great breadth and depth of skills, recruiters may find it requires too much work on their part to figure out what you do. So let's say for the past years you've been an account lead for a major PR firm. And in your work, you've produced a lot of video news releases and social media videos. In fact, you're quite an expert at video production and could fill a role as an editor or producer. But your last job title was probably something like account manager for that PR firm. So you see the problem. You really need, if you're going to go after a job as a video editor or producer now, if you want to do a little bit of a career, I don't want to say change, but a career uh, growth or refinement, uh, you're going to have trouble with that singular resume that's on file with LinkedIn. So should you sign up for LinkedIn? Well, unfortunately, it's almost a requirement to have a LinkedIn profile these days. I say unfortunately because it exposes you to a lot of unwanted advertising and solicitations. But I say go ahead and sign up, but be sure you go through all of their privacy settings and close all of those loopholes. Take your time building that resume offline. You don't want to publish anything that could raise questions later. For example, a simple typo on dates of employment that you're typing in, you know, live online could be captured by a recruiter today. And then after you've made corrections and a recruiter reviews your resume again, it could raise red flags. So you just don't want to do that. Fill it out offline, have a friend look at it, have a friend double check your work, proofread it, and then go in and carefully type it in. And then again, if you have a friend who could look over your shoulder and watch what you're doing to be sure you don't transpose numbers, be very, very careful. Uh, another thing about LinkedIn is uh, LinkedIn asks for dates of schooling when you're looking at the education section. Never, ever offer employers dates of school attendance until after a written job offer is made. Otherwise, you've opened the door to age discrimination. If an employer demands this information up front, take that as a red flag. They absolutely, positively do not need this information during the screening process. And, you know, as you're looking for jobs, it's a two-way street. You're going to have to make a decision on the ethics of the company you're uh, looking to go to work for. Remember, it's a minimum two-year commitment when you accept a job to a company because you don't want to be seen as a job hopper. 
So you want to be darn sure that if you accept a job that you're going to be able to stick it out for two years and avoid getting into a situation up front where you may have to bail and leave that job and go look again. Not only for the massive hassle of looking for a job again, but because it's going to look bad on your resume. So be very vigilant about screening the employer as carefully as they are screening you. Now, once you've completed your LinkedIn profile, be sure to export it as a PDF resume to send employers who ask for a traditional uh, printed or electronic CV. That way there's no possibility of the information in your profile not matching the printed resume or the digital resume and raising unwanted questions. Now, the question comes up about LinkedIn's premium service. What do you get if you sign up for that? And it's quite expensive. And the answer is you don't get very much for it. Uh, Certainly not much for the high cost. You get the opportunity to make contacts with people who are out of your network. But you can usually find enough information about that person to connect with them offline. Also be aware that a lot of people still don't respond to those direct messages. In fact, I had very poor results connecting with people through that direct messaging system. A lot of people don't go on LinkedIn frequently enough to get those messages. And I'm not sure if they send you a uh, regular email to say you have messages or not. They probably do, but for some reason uh, it isn't as uh, robust a feature as they would like you to think. Now, the company claims that premium membership lets you stand out with hiring managers. But as far as I can tell, all that is is a button on your profile that says you're a premium member. Paid memberships also show you how you compare with other applicants. Um, I didn't find that feature to be very useful. Um, You know, it depends on what you've typed in your resume. It's unclear exactly what that number is. Finally, the premium membership does give you access to the Linda e-learning system that has been renamed LinkedIn Learning. Linda remains one of the best online platforms for e-learning, but be careful about sharing what courses you take. Because let's say you uh, want to start a side gig producing YouTube videos and you start taking online production courses. Your employer Uh, may discover that you're taking courses unrelated to your job, and that may raise red flags in their mind that you're thinking of, uh, you know, leaving to start your own YouTube channel or to make a career change. And that kind of thing makes employers very nervous. So uh, you may be better off looking for other e-learning solutions, including free ones on YouTube, that will not be red flagged on your LinkedIn profile. So leaving job boards aside, let's talk about networking. We know that 60 to 80 percent of jobs are filled through this method, and many jobs are filled through the back door without ever being advertised. So why do so many of us resort to job boards? Well, because networking is a lot harder than it sounds. If you're familiar with the Myers-Briggs personality typing system, Uh, which, among other things, classifies people as introverts or extroverts, an astonishing 80% of us are introverts. Yeah, it's true. It's a big step for most of us to walk up to a stranger and introduce ourselves. So where do you start to make these connections? Well, your vendors are a good source. 
Uh, Let's go back to our bookkeeper example. What vendors would know what companies are looking for bookkeepers? Well, accountants and tax attorneys, for example. So you might prepare a mailing list of all the accounting firms in your area and send a letter of inquiry asking if they have any clients who are looking for a bookkeeper. Now, keep in mind these are busy people, so send them an old-fashioned letter uh, if it's a totally cold call. If you get a referral from someone, perhaps a family member who uses that CPA firm, maybe you could get away with sending an email directly to that contact. But otherwise, avoid a phone call. Phone calls are highly intrusive, and if they do engage you in conversation, you may not present yourself well if you're not extremely well prepared. It's always best to schedule phone interviews just as you would any in-person interview so that you can prepare and have all of your notes in front of you. Business organizations are hit and miss. Professional organizations, trade unions, chambers of commerce, chamber-like business associations are a good place to gather business cards. And if you're new to the job market, spend $10 to have 500 social business cards made. That way you'll have something tangible to pass out to people at these meetings, even if you're not currently working for a company. Also, don't make the mistake of using the business card of your current employer if you're looking for a different kind of career move. Again, the people kind of like to put that square peg in that square hole. So again, you're working for a PR firm and you want to be a video editor, then make yourself some personal business cards that say, you know, Ken Allen video editor and pass those out so that people know exactly what you're looking for when they are gone from that chamber mixer and Somebody mentions it in a business meeting later on and say, oh, I met this guy at a chamber mixer. Here's his card, and they can contact you directly. Volunteer work is another possibility, but you need to be very strategic about this. You want to be sure that volunteer role gives you quality social contacts and doesn't just send you home with a box full of envelopes to stuff in front of the TV. And by the way, back to the... uh, various business organizations, your company, the one you're currently working for, and assuming you're staying in the same career, your company may already belong to a number of chambers or other business organizations. And very often companies will join to support these entities, but they don't send anybody to the meetings. So volunteer, use your current employer's uh, investment in these organizations to further your own career. So let's summarize what an ideal job board looks like. Uh, Our winning job board, again, was LinkedIn. LinkedIn has the framework of an ideal job board in that you have an online profile that is very descriptive. LinkedIn needs to remove anything that might tip off an employer or a recruiter Uh, as to the applicant's age, regardless of their age, whether you're over 40 or under, your age is irrelevant in hiring if you're over 18. Uh, And I guess they could ask that if you're over 18. But beyond that, age should not be any part of the equation for most jobs. You should be able to add to not your resume, but your 
search criteria that you load into the job board, you want to add in a salary range because there's no point looking at jobs that are paying less than what you're making now in most cases. I think people are interested in benefits. In fact, many people are looking to change jobs because they don't have benefits or have inadequate benefits with their current employer. That commute distance is key. You don't want to have to move uh, unless you'd already planned to do that. You don't want to have to move uh, or go from a 30-minute to commute to a 90-minute commute just to change jobs. It's really important to see how many other people have applied for the job. If you're applying for a job and there's already 150 people that have applied, it's like the scratch-off lotto tickets. The odds are so steep that you're not going to win that race unless you are just an extraordinary candidate. And even so, it's surprising how many employers really are not looking for the best and brightest. They're just looking for someone to fill a slot, often at the lowest cost. So don't assume that you're because your qualifications are extraordinary, that's going to put you at the head of a large number of applicants. It, it isn't necessarily true. That start date or hire date is another key criteria, and I really wish employers would put this in their job postings. One-click resume uh, features. Uh, nobody wants to fill out their resume over and over and over and over again when they're applying for jobs. So let's hope that sometime in the near future, somebody invents a job board that follows this practice and let you create a resume and intelligent agent so that it's always looking for your next job for you and will send you an alert saying, hey, here's a job that's within your salary range, has all the benefits you're looking for, is a good fit to your background. There are less than three applicants and they're looking to make a decision in the next week. Wow, what a powerful tool that would be for job seekers. I wish you much success in your job search. This has been the Public Record Podcast, a public service of the public record, the Coachella Valley's Business News Weekly. I'm managing editor Ken Allen, reminding you to make someone's day by having something nice to say.